Turn with your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. I've got a couple things here I want to mention as we get started in this message. Um, pray that I, I don't get bogged down in my points, that I can get through them because I've got a little more than normal to say at the beginning. If you remember, a few weeks ago we preached from Colossians chapter 1 down to verse 11. We're going to go from verse 12 down to verse 18 today. And uh, we, um, we want to take a look at this little book. Um, if you remember, uh, I preached through Galatians and I said that the Judaizers came back in and they tried to replace the gospel with works, tried to add works to the gospel. You had to do some kind of work and one of their main things was circumcision, we know that, and different things to, for the gospel to be effective. Well, here in Colossians, it's similar but they're adding um, customs and traditions and even a lot of sorcery type things into the gospel to try and to tell the people that that's what they must do to be born again. So Colossians chapter 1 verse 12. Is everybody there? Amen. Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. What a verse. <laughs> in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For This is obviously speaking about Jesus. For by him are all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things. And by him all things consist. And he is the head of the, ch the body, the church, who is the beginning. The firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. So let us pray. Father, we thank you again, Lord, for this day that you've given us, this time together. And God, I thank you that, Lord, in all of my failures, God, all of my slice, Lord, in the areas that are my sins and I come up short. God, you still love me. You still have mercy on me and you still forgive me. You still want me. You haven't thrown me away. And God, sometimes we gotta, maybe we gotta wipe the canvas clean, God. Maybe you gotta paint over some things, God, and make it work again. Lord, I pray that today we can hand you the paintbrush and God will let you the paint the story of our life and God, we won't try to get in the way or try to tell you what the painting needs but trust you with what it needs. And God, today I pray for the hearts of each one that are here. Lord, you know what they need. Holy Spirit, I need you. I can't do this without you, regardless of what's happened or not happened in my life. Every day of my life, and especially when I stand behind any pulpit, God, to preach, it takes you. This is you, Jesus. It's not me. You're the head of this church. You're the leader of it, not me. So today I pray that you speak through me what you want spoken. And Lord Jesus Christ, and we pray. Amen. Um, I gave you a little bit of an introduction to, to the book of Colossians there, very, very briefly. Uh, but I want to try to explain some things to you this morning. Now, keep in mind that throughout this book, little book here, uh, one thing I want to tell you is Coloss, not long after uh, this letter was delivered to the church, was destroyed by an earthquake. It is now what we call modern-day Turkey is where it was. It basically ceased to exist. It's no longer a town. Uh, and it really, outside of these few little chapters, we would have probably never heard of this, of this town or this city had it not been for this book in the Bible. 
Very insignificant place. But very significant book in the Bible. No matter how insignificant you might think you are sometimes, no matter how little you think you might be or mean to God, you can mean, you do mean a lot and you can be used in a mighty way with God. Uh, don't ever count out what God can and will do with you if you'll only let him. Now, we read here where, as I read to you, that Jesus is to be head of everything. He, by him, all things exist. They are created by him, through him, and for him. Now, I want to read something to you in the beginning uh, as I get started and understand, I know that you all hear me comment on atheism and um, evolution a lot. Uh, I think it's one of the greatest travesties of our modern day teaching. Uh, when I was in school, I was uh, 50. Uh, if you remember that, most of you, I guess, do. Uh, I do. But um, I was taught that evolution was a theory. Somewhere between me graduating from high school in 1991 to 2023, it's fact. The problem is it's never been proven. And science has to break its own rules to explain evolution. They have to make up rules to explain them. Listen to a couple comments from people. Um, Dr. Asa Gray, once called the greatest botanist in the history of American science, declared, the beginning is wholly beyond the keen and scope of science which is concerned with how things go on and has nothing to say as to how they begin. One of the greatest mysteries to our atheistic believers today and evolutionists is that they cannot explain beginning. The best we can come up with is the Big Bang Theory. Well, I'm going to tell you in my life, every time I've blown something up, there was destruction, not construction. It doesn't make sense. And I don't know why I'm on this. It kind of goes with the lesson but, or the message. But it is, and I've given this illustration before, it is the equivalent. We're going to take and build a new church. We're going to buy a property. Uh, we're going to buy all the Rex that's laying up here. We're going to tear him out and throw him out and tell him to hit the road. And by the way, Rex is sitting right there, so it's okay that I say this. Because we know this isn't going to happen, but uh, I thought you'd get a kick out of that. And so what we're going to do is we're going to simultaneously, we're going to put everything we need for the new church up there. We're going to pile it in piles and we're going to put dynamite in it and we're going to blow up his house. We're going to doze the land and build this church all in the same explosion. Why don't y'all think that's possible? That is what modern day science is teaching way beyond that. They teach that nothing got together to make everything. And that is what our world wants you to believe. That is what our media, our society, and because of this we are bombarded with it. Do you realize this or not as Christians, it affects our psyche and our faith in God because it goes so much deeper than that. T.H. Huxley, the friend and promoter of Darwin, pay attention, sometimes called Darwin's bulldog because he liked to snap at the heels of the theologians, said much the same. Huxley popularized, popularized Darwin's theory. He saw it in a working hypotenuse for atheism. Before he died, however, he was obligated to declare, 
It appears to me that the scientific investigator is wholly incompetent to say anything at all about the first origin of the material universe. That was Darwin's right-hand man. Also, if you dig, you can find Darwin recanted everything he said and taught before his Christian and said it was all just a bunch of ideas. I didn't think anybody would listen to me. But boy, did they ever. Now, let's get into the message. Start, we're getting there. Uh, we always say we owe everything to Christ. He is our first. He is, he is before our lives. And you should say that because you do owe everything to him and he is the first. He is preeminent. The Bible just said, read to you, he is. But our life doesn't say that. Our life says the opposite sometimes. I'm not saying all the time, but if we all be honest, we talked about in a Sunday school class how that uh, we are crucified with Christ. He has to crucify us. We can't. How that uh, we oftentimes... Uh, we have uh, had to take up our cross daily and follow him and die to self. But so much of the time, we do not give Christ, the Holy Spirit, the first place in our life. We, don't, we live for ourselves, so we are not submissive to the Holy Spirit. He tells us things to do. We don't do it. We need to give thanks that we have because of a status we have through God, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me read to you again a couple of verses as we get started. And in verse 12, it's giving thanks unto the Father which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. That word meet there means status. Do you realize as a born again child of God, you, have a, you are a status symbol in God's eye. You have a status with him. And anything that you want, to, a status symbol that wants to be put out front, it wants to be noticed. God wants the world to notice you and I as his children. Not in our own pride, puffed up way, look at me, but as a child of God in honoring him, being submissive to him and doing what the Bible says and letting people see Jesus is preeminent in your and I's life. We don't know it. Sometimes. So we need to give him thanks because, well, one thing the Bible says to, give thanks unto the Father which has made us meet, gave us, put us in a status to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. And the saints in light just means we're exposed to his light. We have been enlightened by him. We have an inheritance that this world cannot give and cannot take away. Who have delivered us from the power of darkness and have translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. You want to know how dark this dear world is? Just step outside, open, turn off the TV, open a magazine, turn your phone on. They will show you how dark it is. But you and I have been delivered from that. We'll be separated from those things. Not to live amongst them. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. I think everybody here knows the word redemption means being bought back. He paid a ransom for you and I. Uh, we owed a sin debt we couldn't pay. Uh, it's, and there was no way to get payment for it. There was no way to earn that payment. There was no way we could get our sins that we owed to God paid for. So Jesus paid that for you and I. And in doing this, he also made it possible for you and I to stand before a holy and a just God, stand their righteousness through him and in him and declaring a child of God. Do you understand what that means? I may not be much of this world. I'm not. I promise you. I'm not much to most of the churches. That's okay. I'm not much to many, very many people, but thank God I'm somebody that he made me to be that way. 
nothing in me. Do you realize this? You are somebody because of Jesus. Not because of you, but because of him. We owe him everything. Do you understand? We were delivered from the worst possible place you could have been. Worse than not having, uh, worse than having unpaid bills and no money to come in to pay them. And no end in sight. An incurable sickness. We see people in this life and we see them uh, get... Uh, their body get ravaged with disease. We think how pitiful it's the worst it could be. No, it's not. Let me tell you something. The worst possible shape a human can be in in this life is way better than dying lost. What he delivered you from is worse than that. Not having no job, no money, no home, nothing. Hey, being delivered from, from sin and having to die in your sins is worse than all of this combined and ever can be and ever will be. It's way worse. He is preeminent. The problem is we don't like how he does things sometimes. Not only did Jesus, back, as I said, buy us back out of a broken relationship with God, he forgave us of our sins and we can remain in good standing with God in our eternal life. I don't have to worry about where I spend eternity. And it said, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Do you understand? Because of Jesus Christ came to this earth and, and showed us God the Father in the flesh and the image He was, that is how God revealed Himself to man. We can see how Jesus conducted Himself, the example He gave us. We are to follow that, and that was the invisible God, been visible to you and I, and we have it in His written word that's infallible. Thank God, I've got everything I need in the Bible and in Him. So, let me preach to you for a few minutes now. I've always wondered when, back years ago when preachers would say that to you. You've been preaching for 20 minutes, but I understand now what they mean. He is the chief chef. Now, you all know my love affair with mayonnaise and mustard, ranch and sour cream. I'd be thrilled if it was never made again. Done away with excommunicated our life never to be seen or heard from ever again would make my day but see some people don't agree with me on that my dad likes a little bit of bologna and bread with his mayonnaise I mean, it, it, I mean it's, it's that thick piled on amen. no amen <laughs> but see sometimes Jesus is the chef of our life. He's the chief of our life. And he'll put a plate in front of us that you and I don't want to eat because we think we don't like it. And we reject it. When all along, sometimes the first bite or two might be bitter. It may not be the best. But if you'll keep eating and you'll keep trusting him, sooner or later you'll get the nutrients and the food you need from that plate. And you'll say, you know what? This is good after all. I needed this. I want this. Give me some more. Thank God I need him is what I need. Whatever it takes to get him is what we need. So let me say in verse 16, he said, for by him are all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible. Now you stop and think about that. That means the wind. I can't see the wind, but I've seen the effects of it. I can't see uh, sometimes uh, atoms and, and things in the world that's in the air. I can't see oxygen, but I sure thank God I get the effects of it. Amen. 
I received the benefits of it. There's so many things he made and created that was for him and by him and it was all for his glory and for you and I to live a sustained life in him and a blessed life in him because we obey what he says. He is the, the chief chef. And what we, he lays in front of us, you and I are to eat. Number one, all things were created because of him. Everything exists because of him. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things are created by him and for him. Uh, we mentioned this in Sunday school class as well. I get a kick sometimes. It's sad how that our the scientists and our, uh, all these people get together and say we can fix the climate this way and we can do this. No, you can't. There's only one way you're going to fix this mess. Doesn't matter who you elect as president, doesn't matter who the leader is, there's one thing and one thing only that's going to fix this mess, and that is God Almighty and Him and Him alone. And that is doing what He says. I said in Sunday school class that we, um, in America, I believe we're seeing uh, the, the results of God turning His back on this country. Uh, I don't know. I guess the Mississippi River has water in it again. I don't know. I'm not sure. But I've told this before this past summer. Uh, so much of the water in California and the bottom places, they, the Lake Mead was running dry. Uh, they had seen it had never been that low. They had discovered bodies that had been buried there years ago with so many things happening. They said, we've got to get a water supply to Lake Mead. Uh, the Colorado River tightened up. They said, we'll take and make a big ditch from Mississippi River over to Lake Mead, it'll fill it up. The problem was, then the Mississippi River started drying up. Man thinks he can do. God is in control of this thing, and this was all built by Jesus, for Jesus, and through Jesus, and he made you and I for him, and by his power, and he is to have preeminence in your life and my life. You are not be the one to make decisions. He is. They're created because of Him. You know, I, I read this a while ago too. Uh, the commentary I was reading, I was listening to you, but I was reading at the same time. Uh, the commentator told a story about a man he witnessed to one time. And about going to heaven, he said, I don't want to go to heaven. He said, why? He said, because Jesus is there. Well, he said, what's wrong with Jesus? He said, he wears a dress. Let me explain something to you before you get too caught up in your thoughts. He said, I was a little boy and I went to Sunday school and seen a picture of Jesus on the wall and he had a dress on. Now, before you start thinking dress, you and I see those pictures and it's more like a robe. In a kid's mind that doesn't know any better, it's a dress. Now you know why I hate pictures of Jesus. There's somebody's imagination. That's all it is. It's a figment of their imagination and all of them are wrong in what he looks like. There's two descriptions of Jesus in the Bible. One of them is found in Revelations. The other is found in Psalms 22 and Isaiah 53. Read them and get an idea of what Jesus looks like. I've never seen a painting or a picture come close to what either one of those are describing him. In Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53, he is beat to an unrecognizable bloody pulp for you and I and hung on the cross of Calvary. 
paid for your sins and my sins and he did it because he loved you and you and I had the audacity to look at him and say I'll do things this way because I want to you do it every day you say preacher I don't do that you may not come out and tell God that but your action source says that you might as well tell him because you're doing it all things you're created by him and for him. Only because of him do you and I have the comfort to sit in a seat that is halfway comfortable, a controlled atmosphere, which I think it's hot in here right now, and, and, and a place of clean air, clean water, carpet. You can come in and sit comfortable and rest easy because of all these things. Imagine if God shook it up just a little bit and said, let me show you who's in control. This country's experiencing that. We've done past judgment. We're in, the, we're in the penalty phase. He's turned our back on us. That's why sin is so rampant. It can run how it wants to with no repercussions, it seems like, and no existence sometimes. He's the chief chef. All things are created because of him. Number two, let me read on here. I'm, I'm trying to, to hurry, but there's so much I want to say about this. I could spend three weeks in verse 16 easy, Sunday morning and Sunday night. Verse 17 says, and he is before all things and by him all things consist. Amen. Number one, all things were created because of him. Number two, all things consist because of him. Amen. Let me give you something to think about. We also, one of the things that perplexes the evolutionist, the, the atheist, I'm going to give you a little astronomy lesson. Now, there's nothing wrong with astronomy. There is with astrology. Those are two different things. Don't get them confused. Astronomy is nothing more than a study of the stars. Astrology is something a whole lot different. It's horoscopes and all the fortune telling and all this stuff. And sometimes they do know what they're talking about. You know where they get their information from? They get it from a God. Not the God. It's a pretty good source they get it from. I don't want that source. Amen. Satan tells them. Anyway, some of the planets spins in a different, goes around the sun in a different direction than the other ones. Do you understand? Let me give you a thought. We were talking about this at work this week. God calls the stars by name. We stop at our Milky Way on that thought. God doesn't. Do you understand that we have been recently discovering how many more solar systems they are in the universe and how many light years they are from us that is way bigger than our solar system? Guess what God knows in those solar systems? Those stars' names. We stop at what we can see with our human eye. God never quits. He doesn't stop. Do you understand there's no end to the universe? Did you ever stop and think about that? It doesn't end. You say, where does it end? It does. I don't know. Eternity doesn't end, so why has the universe got to end? You say, when did God start? I don't know. Ask him. In the beginning. <laughs> but when was the beginning? When God said it was. So, preacher, that doesn't make any sense. Well, it may not to me either, but I can tell you what. I know the night I got born again, something happened in my heart. I was a new creature, and I know every word of that Bible has been proven true over and over and over, and I've yet to see any side to stand up and say, I can challenge that theory. I can beat that. They can't. Let me go one step further, and I know I'm off this point, but it's okay. 
I can show you, and you can too, hundreds and thousands of Christians whose lives has been changed, born again, put back together, made better because of the doctrine and teaching of salvation, and I can't show you only a single one that atheism has done that for. You bring me five people where people can say, you know what, I was a drunk, I was a dope head, I was in prison, my life was shambles until I believed in atheism. Until I became an atheist, everything was downhill. Once I became an atheist, my life has been so much better. Have you ever heard that testimony? Neither have I. But I've heard thousands on top of thousands that said because of Jesus Christ, he's in control. Let me say this real quickly and I'll move on. By him all things consist. Do you understand because of him, he is the reason that the planet stays where it is supposed to stay. He is the reason the waves stop where he says to stop. He is the reason the leaves are coming back on the trees. The grass is turning greener. Do you understand are certain parts of the world they don't have four seasons like you and I do? Has anybody ever been to the equator? I have. When I was in Africa, I was right on the equator. And their dirt's different. Everything's different. And you're going to tell me that the same evolutional process was able to do that? It's because of him all this stays in order. And it's because of him your life will stay in order. It'll go the direction he wants it to go. Not you. If you try to run things, it will go down. You will mess it up. And like me, you've got to bring it to God and say, God, I fouled up again. Can you fix it? It's because of him. All things consist. That point didn't go like I had in mind, but it's okay. Let me move on. I don't want to, I could stay here. And all, all, all things consist because of him. They stay in an order because of him. Man doesn't control that. How crazy, I mean, I got to move on. Let me read the next verse. In, in verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. All things of the church exist because of him. Do you understand that because of him the plan of salvation exists? I've said this many times. It blows my mind that the same gospel the exact same gospel that's preached here is preached in China. You go out to Nevada, it's the same gospel. You go to Canada, it's the same gospel. I, I've been, I've told you before, I don't mean this boastfully, it's because the church was kind enough to send me, but uh, I, I've been to South America, I've been to Chile, uh, I was, they said that we were about an hour and a half flight from Antarctica, and, and I mean, we were way down there. You stuck your hand in the ocean and that water was so cold, it burnt. You know what they had? The exact same gospel. And you're going to tell me that God doesn't exist? The exact same gospel. Now don't get too carried up in that because the Koran has also made it around the world. Be careful how you think about certain things. It stood the test of time. Some other false teachings has as well. But again, 
the only character in the history of the world that claims to defeated hell, sin, and death is Jesus Christ. No other God, no other teaching, no other writing has ever claimed to do that besides Jesus Christ. He is the only one. And he is the head of the church. God put me here to pastor this church, to be an under-shepherd to him. Everything I do as pastor of this church, I answer to him for. You may not like some of the things I do and say. You may not agree with some of the things that I want to do. You may not agree with some of my teachings and doctrines. I do my best to get them from God, from his word, and do what God tells me to do. But let me explain something to you. Everything I do as pastor of this church and don't do, I will stand in judgment for Sometimes if we would only stop and think about that, that's a very sobering thought. Be laid in your lap. That's right. Amen. Everything that I preach and do and try to lead this church to go, if you butt me, guess what you get to do? Stand in judgment for it. You see how this works? I'm going to submit to him. I do what he tells me to do. You submit to the pastor what the pastor tries to lead this church to do and you say, oh, pastor, you're wrong. Unless you can take the Bible and show me I'm wrong, it's between me and God and then it's between you and God. You may not agree with some of the things this pastor sees, the vision for this church, but until you allow this pastor to pastor you and guide you, you're in rebellion to God. Not me. I got a couple amens. Let me try this again. Maybe, maybe I need to preach a message on this because I feel like sometimes when I preach this, I get a lot of resistance. I might have to, I might have to spend a few Sundays on this. My wife is sitting here. Folks, let me tell you something. You can fire me today. If you think that scares me, you're wrong. I'm doing this for God. And I promise you, God will put me somewhere where he can use me. If it's not here, it'll be somewhere else. And I'm not saying I'm going to quit or resign. I'm just saying I'm not going to preach or pastor scared. You don't have to agree with me. That's fine. But if I know I'm where God wants me, I'm going to be there. And I'm going to lead this church there to the best of my ability. In saying that, this is Jesus' church. It's not mine. And everything I just said, I don't say arrogantly. I didn't say that with... I didn't try to say that in any way, shape, or form. I'm simply telling you, we must know our position with God. Amen. And it's a very sobering thought. Do you understand point number four? He is to be the chief chef Amen. in your life. Is he? Does he have preeminence in your life? Does he have rule? Of your life. People would quarrel at me sometimes and get mad and actually offended because they would offer me food and I didn't like it. I didn't want it. So I just politely turned it down. People say, well, your mom spoiled you. When I was a kid, I ate what was in front of me. Well, then, okay, good. <laughs> I don't quarrel at you for that. Don't quarrel at me for the way I was raised. I'm not throwing a fit at you. Why are you throwing a fit at me? I mean, really? Maybe your mother didn't treat you like that. I'm sorry. 
Maybe your dad didn't. I, hey, your dad did as good a job raising you the best he could as mine did me, whether you like how mine did it or not. Whether I like how yours did it or not. Sometimes we look over at other people's plates and we think we want what they've got. God has put in front of us because somewhere we didn't like it. Whatever pastor has affected you in your past, I can't control that. Whatever you've got in your life that you don't care for, I can't control that. You may not agree with how this pastor does things sometimes. But if you don't agree with how I do things, the best thing you can do is ask God where you can change. Start there. Ask Him where you are wrong. And then you can also maybe after that say, God, if He's wrong, show Him. But if I'm wrong, show me. Too much of the time, we're looking at somebody else's plate rather than looking at ours. We won't eat what God's put in front of us. Let me, let me tell you something. I've tried food from other people's plates sometimes. Some of it I like. My wife will go to a restaurant, short or something. A lot of times I won't like what she gets. She's gotten salads before. And she'll say, do you want a bite of it before I put the dressing on it? Because once the dressing hits the, hits the rabbit food, I'm done. <laughs> what if God puts that in front of me and says, eat? Amen. And more than that, I look over at my wife's plate and I say, man, that looks good. And I may try a bite of it and that part tastes good. But then I get a hold of something that just absolutely turns my stomach. You know Why? Because that was her plate. It wasn't mine. Does he have preeminence in your life? Is the order of events the way they should be? Do Do you realize that as a church member, church attendee, we are one body? And I'm going to preach on that pretty soon. I don't know why I'm on this so hard. I really don't. It just keeps coming back to me. I'm trying to quit. But I have a vision for what I see for this church that God has shown me. And if you fight me on it, we'll never get there. We cannot get there. Have you ever tried to drive a car two directions at the same time? It won't work. That's exactly what happens. I'm not asking you to, to bow down to me. That's no good. That's useless. I'm asking you to bow down to Jesus. I'm nobody. I'm not anything. And I realize everything I've preached this morning, I will answer for. I'll give an account for. And just as it's been said, you will give an account for how well you receive it. Whether you receive what I preached or whether you reject what I preached. And by the way, this isn't a pick and choose kind of thing. Amen. It don't work like that. There's parts of the Bible. There have been times I've wanted to reach in and say, let me take that part out and throw it away because it hurts too deep. 
But you know what? Those parts that hurt are just as meaningful as those parts I like. And I've got to eat it all. Father, we thank you again for this time together and for this day that you've given us. And Lord, I, I pray, God, I pray that I've honored you. Lord, I did my best to preach what you give me. And God, it, it's scary to me sometimes to think about how, Lord, that um, I'm going to answer God, for how I've pastored this church, I see areas and ways and things that, God, I know that I've failed. God, it's affected these people. It's affected this community. It's affected my family. And God, I want to tell you this morning, Lord, as I stand here, I know there have been times in my life in different areas where you've not had the preeminence Jesus, you didn't have the position that you deserved and that you earned. Today, God, I've made this declaration before. God, there's areas in my life that I know you need to have preeminence and I want to invite you to do so. Holy Spirit, lead me there, take me there, guide me there. And I give you permission to crucify me and do what you need to do to get me to that place. I don't want to make decisions about my life when it comes to serving you, God, because I'll get them wrong. Lord, I need you to do that. Lord, today, I pray if there's anyone here, Lord, that, that has any need whatsoever, if you've spoken to their heart in any way, shape, or form, I pray that, God, you touch their heart and you deal with them. We give you the thanks and the praise for it all. In Jesus, your name we pray. Amen. As we stand